That's good. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Mark chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 28 through 31. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. And uh, as you're kind of opening, getting yourself situated, I want to talk to you about a societal reality. At no point, at no point in human history have we had easier access to tailor-made distractions. Like at no point have we had the ability to kind of like determine exactly the kind of distraction that we would like to have. Um, so so let's, let's think about this. Maybe you really love food. How many people in this room love food? How many? Okay, good. We all love food. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So you know what you can do to get food? Like you, uh, like Uber Eats, right? Gives you access to whatever food that you could possibly want, like within two hours. I could pull out my phone right now and get, like, considering where we live, get whatever kind of food I want almost immediately. Uh, how many people like a good drama? Good TV drama? Any TV drama people in here? Oh, we got some TV drama people in here. Right. I have five apps on my phone right now that could give me access to whatever drama I want. I could pull it out and start watching it almost immediately. Uh, how many people like real-life drama? It's called the news, by the way, real-life drama. Uh, so you have one app on your phone that gives you access to, like, I don't know, 10, 20 different news networks that you could get to if you have a smartphone. Um, how be, like, we like games, right? And uh, I, there's a reality that uh, I, I grew up kind of playing video games, and, and, and I don't just have access right now to new ones. I can, and right now on my phone, I can pull out my phone and get access to games that I played when I was a kid that were only available on certain systems. I can get those things on my phone. Uh, so, like, just entertainment, amusement, sports in general, like, this is a multi-billion, if not trillion-dollar industry, and it's all built around amusement. Like, that's the point of it. Uh, so, so maybe, maybe amusement actually isn't all that appealing to you. Maybe your distraction is busyness, right? And so I'm not going to let you off the hook either because uh, maybe you have a yard that you need to take care of. Maybe you have a house to take care of. Maybe you just fill your life with all sorts of activity. Uh, maybe you have tons of hobbies. Maybe you even like, like to be in leadership in a bunch of different spheres of your life and that takes a bunch of responsibility from you. All of these things, like we have access to the ability to give us so much distraction right now. So uh, I'll be honest with you about myself. I can at times be a distracted person. Uh, I, my wife will attest to this, uh, I have this place in my head called my mind palace, uh, and in my mind palace, if I, if I get kind of like wind somewhere in the thinking of like all the cogs turning uh, of something that's just like super interesting, I will start to follow that train of thought, and I will cease to be present. Like, I just disappear. I go somewhere else. My wife will have been talking to me like for two or three minutes, and she'll go, do you know what I said to you? And I'll go, no, I don't. I'm not, I'm not really that sure because I was somewhere else. I was focused on this. So, uh, so what is it? Uh, this has been true my whole life. So when I was in sixth grade, I was part of youth football league. And um, as I kind of participated in that, my dad was a coach 
on the team, and my dad was watching me kind of learn about the fundamentals of what it mean, meant to play football. And, uh, and so I, I'm sitting here with my dad, and my dad, like, in, in practice and kind of learning things, and I'm not catching all of it. And my dad notices something. My dad noticed that, that in general, in football practice, I am not fully present. So, uh, so he took me aside and kind of explained what he was noticing right? Uh, and there are things that I love to do as a kid. I love to, again, I love to play games. I love to, you know, have my stuff at home that I enjoyed. And, uh, and so my dad took me aside and he said, you know what? You are thinking more about what you're going to do when you get home than you are thinking about what we're doing right now in the moment, right? He took me aside and told me that. He's like, and because of that, because you're thinking about those things, you're missing out on what's happening right now. Like, there is something to be had. There's, there, there's a place you can grow and get better. And so this is what my dad could have done. My dad could have took me aside and, like, started questioning my motives. He could have said to me, like, do you even really want to be here? Like, do you even care about what we're doing right now? Like, that's, that's an option for what he could have done, and maybe he would have been justified in doing that. But what he did instead was open my eyes to what I was doing. Right? He, he opened my eyes to say, hey, like you are distracted. And he, he gave me space to actually decide, okay, now that I see that I'm distracted, I can decide that I want to be here. Right? I have the ability in the moment to decide that I actually want to be a part of this. So we're going to talk about distraction this morning, but here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to accuse you of poor motives in your distraction. Uh, I'm not going to accuse you of laziness because of your lack of focus. Uh, Mostly what I want to do this morning is I want to open your eyes. I want to collectively open our eyes to our distractions and let us decide what to do with what we see. So uh, what some people might want me to do this morning, some people in the room, is you are going to maybe want me to go after particular distractions. (laughs) and like tackle those things because there are kind of these pet peeves of yours that people spend time on that you can't believe that people spend time on this thing. And I'm actually not going to do that this morning because the problem is most of the things that we're distracted with are not bad things in and of themselves. Like they are not bad things. In fact, many of them, they, they contain expressions of the image of God. Like, uh, so think about, like, a football game or just the National Football League in general right now. Like, there is skill and ingenuity and perseverance that goes into the playing of a football game. And there is something, like, good to recognize in that. Uh, What about, uh, okay, so, like, our favorite TV shows, right? Like, there is incredible storytelling and art happening in those TV shows. Uh, Now, like, yes, everything has its bad side, right? I, I understand. But a lot, of sto- a lot of TV shows tell really good stories. Uh, video games, right? There is art and beauty in video games. People expressing the image of God in them for other people to witness. Uh, busyness, right? And let's, let's just not call it busyness. Let's call it work. Ownership responsibility, involvement in our spheres of influence, like these are good things, expression of the image of God, but they become problematic 
because more often than not, they end up distracting us from the most important things. So uh, we're in this series called Renovate Me, um, and if, if you're new with us or you're recently joining us, we have expressed as a church that we long to see something more for our church, for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbors here in this area, because we know something. Like, we know that Jesus renovates lives. Like, we know when people meet Jesus and people actually submit to Jesus and believe in him and see that God loves them and accepts them, that that begins to change people. We believe that we can invite people to Jesus and they can change. And so we long to become a church that would do that. We want to see people in our area who don't know Jesus meet Jesus and have their lives renovated. And so, so we want our church to change so that other people in our area can meet Jesus and they can change. So we've been kind of walking forward the last few weeks with a principle, and that principle is this. What God will change out there starts now with changes in here. And I'm not going to make you do the motions this week. You guys have gotten the hang of that, right? But what God will change out there starts now with changes in here. And that's not just changes like in here in the church. Like if you want to see God do something different in your family, you have to start by letting him do something different inside of you. Like if you want to see God change your community, you have to start with letting him uh, accomplish changes inside of you. And so here's what I assume this morning, that we all at varying degrees, we long to see this change. Like, we long to see uh, our church, the people in this church, make an impact in our community. We long to become different for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbors. And in fact, in the very first week of the series, we talked about dismantling contentment. It's all about how we can't be satisfied until we see Jesus touch every part of our lives and then out from there, every part of our spheres of influence. So here's why we're talking about distraction this morning. Distraction fights for the space required to change. Distraction fights for the space required to change. So distraction will fill up the time that Jesus wants to use to change you. Distraction will steal your attention from moments where Jesus might be really wanting to speak to you. Distraction will use up your energy when Jesus actually wants to take that energy and focus it somewhere else. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to work through two big questions this morning about distraction. So here are those two questions. Number one, why are we so prone to distractions? What is it about us that, that lends us easily to being distracted? And number two, what are our distractions inhibiting or hindering, however you want to word that. Okay, so why are we so prone to distractions? I want to read a quote for you from a 17th century Christian philosopher named Blaise Pascal. And I've kind of updated the language for us a little bit, but this is what he said. He said, the only thing which consoles us for our miseries is distraction. And yet, this is the greatest of our miseries. For it is distraction which principally hinders us from reflecting upon ourselves 
and which makes us insensibly ruin ourselves. Without distraction, we would be in a state of weariness. And this weariness would spur us to seek a more solid means of escaping from it. But distraction amuses us and leads us unconsciously to death. Right? That's pretty heavy. But what he's recognizing is that we accept distraction so easily because it ignores us, or it helps us ignore what is painful, right? In fact, I tell you that we are prone to distraction. We, like, we're prone to distraction because we actually love it. And why do we love it so much? Well, here's one answer. Distraction enables us to ignore important realities, like inside of us, important realities inside of us, important realities existing in our relationships. Like if I have tension with another person, you know what's really easy for me to do? It's really easy for me to distract myself from that tension instead of actually dealing with it, right? In the world around us, we can ignore important realities in the, the world around us with this distraction. We can ignore our connection to God because of distraction. And, and this idea actually like that we're wired it's not just that we want to do this. We're actually wired to ignore these realities and truths of the world. This is a theme we see in Scripture. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, so according to this verse, like a core aspect of our fallen nature as human beings, a core aspect of what is wrong with us is that we are wired to suppress truth. Uh, take the word truth and substitute reality. Take the word truth and substitute reality. Uh, what that means is that distractions ultimately enable us to disengage with reality, to pretend that what is real isn't actually happening. And, and then on top of that, not just to ignore reality, but to enjoy the process of ignoring reality. Like, we can have a good time ignoring important things. Distractions enable us to ignore the most important realities and never actually deal with those things that the God of our souls is calling us to deal with. So, um, here's a self-reflective question I want us to sit with. And if you want to, you could even write this question down. This is what it is. It's this question, what important realities are my distractions helping me ignore? So you ask yourself that question, and as you do that, I want you to know something. Like whatever truth about yourself that you're afraid of discovering, whatever pain you think is too uncomfortable to deal with, whatever way you spend your time ignoring God because you just feel like he's disappointed in you, like that God that you are afraid of kind of encountering, that God became flesh in the person of Jesus. He entered into your pain. He took on himself the reality of your failure, and he died in your place for that to set you free so that you actually can acknowledge it and begin dealing with it. Right, like knowing that as you confront reality in yourself and in, in the spheres around you, you are fully accepted by your Father because of what Jesus did. This is the amazing truth of the gospel. We are set 
free to not ignore reality, but actually deal with it. Okay, so with that being said, let's actually do some dealing with it. Um, There are a few most important truths and realities in our world that we are called to pour our energy into, to to place our focus on, and that's what Mark chapter 12 is going to focus us on this morning. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and we are addressing now the first, or sorry, the second of our two questions, what are our distractions inhibiting or hindering? Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? So for what it's worth, uh, their disputes are distractions, right? Like they, Jesus is coming to, to bring these amazing truths about the kingdom. And then what the scribes want to do is they want to spend their time arguing about menial things in the law to kind of trip Jesus up, to create opportunities for him to, to kind of sway his focus. And the, the amazing thing about Jesus is he doesn't allow anybody to pigeonhole him right? Like he doesn't let anybody kind of put him in a place where he has to kind of juke to get out of it. No, he like, he will confront directly what they need to hear. And so this guy, you know, being engaged in these disputes, kind of engaging with the distraction, Jesus speaks to him and he's going to take their distraction and use it to focus them and call them back to what is most important. So Mark 12, 29, Jesus answered, The most important, the thing that matters above all other things, the command that is most significant is this, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So Jesus is quoting a book from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy chapter 6, and in Jewish communities to this day, like if you go into a, a Jewish worship service, they will recite what Jesus says here, and they call it the Shema. And the reason I tell you that is because that literally means the hear, the listen, the pay attention, right? So uh, if you're Friends fans uh, and you hear Jesus saying this, what you might want to know is that this is the one where you pay attention, right? This is where you need to listen up. This is where you need to stick with what's going on. So uh, the Shema, this, this kind of verse, this piece of scripture that was given to Israel was given to them before they went into the promised land. And this is what God knew. God knew that they were going to walk into this place and that there was going to be endless idolatry and distraction in the midst of the place that they were going into. Right? He knew that they, like, there was going to be noise. Things were going to get shaken up. They were not going to be able to pay attention. And so before they walk into that place, God says, hey, listen up. Like, and everybody, oh, oh, so you want me to get rid of the noise so I can pay attention to you. Okay. Right? Because that's what's happening. There's all of this stuff. There's all of these potential distractions and God wants to focus them. And so he says, listen up stifling the noise, the Lord is one. There's none other alongside him. Nobody else belongs in his place. Your focus belongs to him. And then in Mark 12, 30, it becomes even more clear. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your might and with all your strength. We talk about most important things. Like number one, most important thing, number one for Jesus, for what he wants for us, love your God. Everything you have. All the tools that he's given you. The heart, the soul, the mind, the strength. Like all of these are good things that God has given us and they need to be, uh, our job is kind of to orient them in the right direction, to face them in the right place. And so God made us for relationship with himself and when we engage in that relationship, we are fulfilling our most important and deepest purpose. We're prioritizing what is most important when we prioritize our relationship with him. Okay, so we're talking about distraction, though. So let's talk a little bit about warning signs that I am distracted from loving God. Because all of the things that we have talked about, uh, whether it's your phone or whether it's social media or whether it's food or whatever your distraction is, like all of these things can get in our way. And so let's talk about some warning signs that I am distracted from loving God. Um, So here's the first one. The first and last chunks of my day belong to blank. I don't know what blank is, but let's just assume that God is not in the blank, right? So, So the first and last chunks of my day belong to video games. The first and last chunks of my day belong to watching the news. The first and last chunks of my day, you know, you could list through the series of things that the first and last chunks of your day belong to. But here's the crazy thing. The first and last chunks of your day are really important times to capitalize on. Now, I'm not telling you, like, I'm not making this a law. I am just saying, like, when you wake up, you have the opportunity to set your heart on what it will be set on for the remainder of the day. And then when you go to sleep, you have the opportunity to take advantage of this time of reflection of the day that has passed beyond you, right? Like you can now look back and go, okay, what does the Lord want from that? So the first and last chunks of my day belong to something other than God. Uh, The second one, I am consistently unable to find time to pray. Right, so if this is true of you, then what is probably the case is that whatever is keeping you from that is a distraction to you, right? If it can be said of you and it can be said of any of us that we are um, consistently unable to find times to pray, that means we have a distraction, right? That doesn't mean that there's like, that uh, we j- I just have too much going on, right? No, no, it means that we have to move something out to make sure that we can pray, um, I regularly sacrifice what I know I should do for the sake of my own amusement. Right, so this is, um, this is just a sin of omission, right? God, God tells you, like you, you know you're supposed to do something, you have a certain responsibility, and you choose to neglect that responsibility for uh, staying entertained. And then the last one, I rarely spend time asking God if I ought to do something different, right? This is an important part of the Christian life because we are broken human beings and there is so much that God desires to change. And, and so there's kind of like this regular process of repentance in our lives, this regular process of kind of looking back at how things are now and kind of reevaluating and asking God, okay, what's next? What's the next change that you want to make? But it's really easy to never ask that question if your life is filled with distraction. Okay, so then in Mark 12, 31, he continues on to tell us what is 
most important. So Mark 12, 31. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So most important thing, number two, love your neighbor. Any effort like to actively love our neighbors, let's just go with this, it's going to be rooted in the following assumption. Other people are incredibly valuable and worthy of my time and attention. Right? Like, as Christians, we should carry this assumption with us wherever we go. Other people are incredibly valuable, made in the image of God, that's what we're told, and worthy of our time and attention. Okay, so we're going to do a, a little bit of training. Um, again, like five weeks ago, when, when the elders came forward and said, hey, we want to become something different, we said we're going to make an adjustment in how we, uh, how we teach and preach, um, so that we're not just going to give you things that are for you, but we're going to give you things and help you become what God wants you to be for other people, right? How you impact other people. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. How can we impact the lives of others? Well, we live in a culture where right now everyone is focused on themselves, right? And everybody goes, yeah, that's right, that's right, without going, okay, like, but am I focused on myself too? But this is where we live. So everybody's focused on their own opinions. Everybody is focused on their own political preferences. Everybody is focused on their time and their money. And this, this has always been true, but it just so happens that we live in a period of time in history where it's becoming uh, particularly noticeable for us. And everybody knows what they think, and nobody cares what anyone else thinks. So um, this means that there is an incredible lack of people in our culture right now who are able to listen. There's actually, right now, because everybody is interested in their own thing and few people are interested in anybody else's thing, there is like a drought of people who listen well. Do you know like what one thing you can do for your neighbor that will show them that you love them maybe more than any other thing right now? You can listen well to them. Like you can actually listen to your neighbor. So this gives us a great opportunity. Like, like what if Christians, like what if even we in Alliance Bible Church became the people who were like the most adept at listening, like the most skilled at uh, trying to understand people and trying to hear where they were coming from. Like what if we became really good about when we engage in conversations with other people, prioritizing those other people in our conversations rather than just focusing on ourselves. So if you want to do this, like if you are kind of sold by that vision, you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's be the best listeners that there are. Um, you need to know that you're going to be prone to distraction as you do that. So here are five distractions from really listening to my neighbor. So number one, content consumption. So this could be music, this could be TVs, this could be movies, this could be podcasts, and like, I, I, I'll be the first one to say I've done a poor job, and like, the Lord has called me to make a change. I listen to podcasts all the time, even when I'm driving through the drive-through. What's interesting, though, at Starbucks, which I spend a lot of time at, um, I spend a fair bit of time at Starbucks. When I go through the drive-through, the people actually know me there, and um, 
every time I drive through and I turn on my podcast and I kind of just let it run, I waste an opportunity to connect with the person in the drive-thru. Right, so what the Lord has kind of challenged me to start doing is I need to push pause on that because whatever distract, like whatever content I'm holding on to right now, it can wait because people are that important. So, uh, so maybe content consumption is distracting you. Maybe like you need to watch TV instead of like go hang out with your neighbor. Like you feel that need, and what you need to do is turn your TV off and go hang out with your neighbor. I don't know what it is, but content consumption could be one potential distraction. Number two. My personal concerns. So um, in, in conversation with other people, you know what a really loving thing that you can do is? Like you can strive in every word to put the spotlight on them. You know what everybody's favorite subject to talk about is? Me. I love to talk about me. I love to tell you how many stories have I told you about me standing up here. I enjoy talking about me. And you know what? Other people in your spheres of influence love it, love to talk about themselves. Right? And there is an opportunity in listening. Like you could just ask really good questions and take the spotlight off of yourselves. And you know what? Many of those people, oftentimes when they see you asking questions, will turn those questions back to you and give you a chance to exchange as well. Uh, but take your eyes off of your personal concerns. And number three, tasks. Tasks can become distractions from really listening to our neighbors. Again, like I'm just like listing things that I'm guilty of here. So uh, my next door neighbors uh, that I will have, like I'll be in the middle of mowing the lawn or I'll uh, have to like cut the weeds or, you know, whatever it is. I'll, I'll be, you know, putting fertilizer on my lawn. It doesn't matter what it is. Like when I see my next door neighbor approaching me, I need to take whatever I'm doing, as important as I think that is, and I need to set it down so that I can engage with them, so that I can hear them, so that I can listen to them because they are a person who is incredibly valuable and worthy of my time and attention, and my yard can wait. Um, number four, my own opinions and judgments. Recent research has come out to say that people are remarkably more willing to talk about faith than you think they are. Like, remarkably more people are open to the idea of spiritual conversations than you think they are. But there's one group of people that they don't want to have spiritual conversations with. Christians. Do you know why they don't want to have spiritual conversations with Christians? Because they are afraid that Christians are going to bring their opinions and their judgments into the conversation instead of just listening to the other person first. Right, so that's something like 62% of people say that they would be open to having a spiritual conversation with a person they knew would listen to them without judgment. Right, that ability, if we can carry that into conversations with us, what, what good could that do? And then as we listen, people recognize, oh, like, you're not just out to like screen your opinion at me. Like, you actually care about what I think. Right? And as we realize this, the people will be more willing to hear us than they were when we just carry our opinion into the conversation immediately. Uh, number five, relationships on the other sides of our phones. So uh, if you're present with a person in a moment, I would advocate for you to be present with that person physically and kind of set your phone aside because whoever's on the other side can usually... If it's, husbands, if it's your wife, you should probably answer the phone, just like for what it's worth. Um, can usually wait 
for the sake of that moment that you're in. And all of this is about prioritizing people that we are with and loving our neighbors well. So we need to regularly remind ourselves that every neighbor we cross paths with is incredibly valuable and worthy of our time and, and, and attention. And so then whenever we're stuck in the middle of whatever distraction we would prefer, we make sure that we, take, we make a decision to be done with that and focus on the person. Okay, so now remember the scene. Um, the scribes, they are distracted by their disputes. And Jesus says to them, hey, listen up. Quiet down the noise. Like, here, this is what I have to say. This is what is most important. Love your God and love your neighbor. So here's our main point this morning. When something keeps you from the most important things, then something needs to change. Right? Like, and that's, like, don't take that as condemnatory. That's just like recognition. Hey, there are things that are standing in the way of the most important things, and we can't just let that be, right? Like, we have to have that holy discontent inside of us. When something keeps you from the most important things, something needs to change. Okay, so what? Number one, you may need to take an extreme approach to your distraction. So, so for a season... Like, if you are particularly prone to, to one kind of distraction for a season, it may be helpful for you to eliminate that, right? So it might be news. Like, and guess what? If you stop listening to the news, the world is still going to keep turning, and everything will still be, like, here, right? And because you're listening to the news, it does not make things somehow be able to run more effectively. So it doesn't hurt you to, to stop listening to the news. And that could be a time that God wants to heal some anxiety that you carry with you kind of into every situation. I don't know. But um, maybe it's the news. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's video games. But I will tell you that, like, if you eliminate distraction, that is space that the Lord can use to work. So personally, I'll just kind of share with you uh, what happened for me. Um, it is highly likely, like really, really highly likely, that I would have never heard my call to ministry if I did not take a season where I sold all of my video game systems, where I sold everything that I had, and just had space for the Lord to speak. Right? And he had to challenge me about that again and again and again and say, okay, I think this is not only a distraction, this might be a little bit of idolatry here, and it's creating a barrier between you and me. And here's the crazy thing. Like, he was waiting to, to enter into that moment and speak to me, but I couldn't hear him as long as I had that thing. And when I removed it, there was actually space for him to be able to work and change because those things, the, the video games, the things that I was involved in, they were cannibalizing my time. Like, they were fighting for the space required for me to change. And so part of me uh, recognizing that the Lord was calling me to ministry was creating a space where I was actually able to listen to Him. Uh, so there, there are a bunch of things that we give ourselves to that are not sin, but they are cannibalizing our time. They are cannibalizing space. And God wants us to love other people better than we currently do. He needs space to make us people who will do that. God wants uh, to do work in our soul that we're avoiding, and you can't do that without space. God uh, might reveal to us a deeper purpose for the gifts that he's given us, and he's not going to be able to do that if we're filling up our space with distraction. And you know what? God, like, God might actually cause us to dream about things that could be for our communities and our neighborhoods and our life and our church that he's just looking for space to use. 
So consider if God would have you take an extreme approach to your distraction. Number two, your distractions are not an accident. We talked about this last week. We're going to bring it up again this week because it's so significant. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So I want to tell you, like the fact that we have such ease of access to whatever kind of amusement that we want in this time is not accidental. It is meant to keep us asleep. It is meant to keep us docile. It is meant to keep us ignoring the things that God actually wants to do and the the dark spiritual forces that he wants to drive back. It's stopping him from making us effective. Number three. Whatever about our distractions captivates us. Jesus is so much more captivating. Like when we give ourselves to distraction, we settle for something that is so much less than who he is. He loves us perfectly. He's generous. He carries real justice in his hands. He's present to our pain. He's present to our shortcomings. He extends hope to the world, and he invites us into that process of extending hope. Whatever we think is captivating uh, about our distractions, Jesus is so much more captivating. So in a moment, um, we're going to sing a song in worship together, and I'd invite you as we sing that song to let the words of the song enable you to be captivated by Jesus, and may he use our focus on him to move out the distraction and create space for him to do his work. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I am this morning just aware of how easily I give in to distraction. Lord, and and it's because my vision of you is so small. Like if I actually recognized how beautiful you were all the time, if I actually all the time saw how majestic your power was, if I saw the depths of your love and your grace for people and and even towards me, Lord, if I actually recognized these things, I would fall on my face. So Holy Spirit, captivate our hearts with Jesus. Show us how beautiful he is. Show us the depths of his grace and love towards us. Show us the perfection of his holiness. Show us how he holds perfect justice in his hands. Show us his goodness. Show us how he is the culmination of all of the deepest longings of our heart and captivate us with him. Push away the distraction so that we can see Jesus for who he is. And may that be what drives out distraction.
May it not be some effort to, to just because we feel guilty, we want to get rid of it. No, let it be that we are so compelled by the vision of who Jesus is that we can't stand a second of not being able to, to witness him, not, not being able to consider how good he is. Holy Spirit, do these things inside of us. We ask it in Jesus' name.